Welcome back to Awake Not Baked. In this episode, I will firstly be sharing some of my most embarrassing stories, quite reluctantly, Um, but it will help me unpick and go deeper into why our ego isn't our friend. Today, I'm going to do something that I never thought I'd do. And that is to tell my embarrassing stories to the world. So, first one. The last uh, place I was working at only had genderless bathrooms. Which had major implications for me. So, it was a pretty intense office and everyone was always working really hard. No one went on their phones. So, the only time I ever went on my phone was when I was going to the bathroom. And, you know, I would use it as kind of like a a little break from from work instead of just going to the bathroom. So I was I went into the one of the genderless cubicles and I put in my headphones and started scrolling through TikTok. And I was like sitting on the toilet. Um I only needed to do a number one, but because I wanted to take advantage of that time away from my desk. I kind of just sat there anyway and was just scrolling through TikTok. And I didn't realize that my door wasn't properly locked. So one of the my male colleagues um, stormed into the, the cubicle. And there I was on the toilet, skirt down to the floor, pl- like plugged into my TikTok on my phone, but like with my wired headphones. So it was very clear that I was like just on my phone watching something um not as subtle as airpods and he like barges in and like stares at me for about five seconds and then realizes like he was in complete shock and he's like oh my god I'm so sorry and then he just like stormed out and I don't know why but I think it's because I went to like an all-girls boarding school and I'm just used to being very open and not being uncomfortable with these kinds of situations. So when he walked in, like my first instinct was not to like freak out or show any sense of shame. I was just like, hey, (laughs) because I'm just so used to that with girls like coming in and out of the bathroom. Um, And then he left and I was like, oh my God, like that literally looked like I was taking my sweet time in the bathroom for obvious reasons. When really, I was just trying to entertain myself and distract myself from work in the, spa- the safe space of the bathroom. <laughs> um, and when I walked out, uh, I sat, I sat back, in, back in the office and then he comes back into the office like a minute later and he's like avoiding all eye contact with me. And I thought the best thing to do was just like address it and deal with it and move on. So I was just like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it wasn't locked. And he was like, it's fine. It's fine. And he like refused to look at me for like the next two days. Um, So that was pretty embarrassing. Um, My other one is when I was at school, we had something. um, So I was doing IB, which meant that I had to do uh something sporty every term and this school that I moved to it only had like American sports that I didn't like like volleyball and basketball so if it wasn't 
like skiing in the winter or whatever, then I would be doing something else. And that one term to fill that like sports requirement for um, IB, I chose to do yoga with my friend. And at that time, the yoga classes weren't that popular. Um, I mean, I don't know why I said at that time they were never popular at school. <laughs> so the class for that they hosted for the teachers was also the same as for the students. So within the same class, there were like a few teachers also doing the yoga class. And, you know, for those of you who've done yoga, it chills you out. It relaxes you. You feel very, you know, relaxed, like comfortable. And one of the positions that the teacher asked us to do was to do the candlestick position, which is, you know, where your legs are up in the air and you're holding up your waist with with your hands and your head is your head and shoulders on the floor. I don't know if that makes sense, but you basically look like a candlestick and your head and your butt is in the air. And so when we were doing this position, um, I was just like hearing this like kind of like faint high pitched noise. And I was like, what is that? Like, I was so just like serene and calm in this yoga class. I wasn't, I was like barely thinking about what was going on. I was just going through the movements that the teacher was saying. And my, I looked over at my friend, like right in the middle of this candlestick position. I just turned my head. I'm like with my legs in the air. I'm like, what is that noise? And then she like burst out laughing. And I was like, is that, wait, is that me? And yeah, I was doing a little, little fart. <laughs> it was so long because I didn't notice. I was just like, my body was so relaxed. <laughs> and so it went on for like 10 seconds. And my friend was like crying, screaming with laughter because she thought it was just so hilarious that like just looking at my face, like such a, such a blank, confused face that just had no idea what was going on and no idea that it was her. Um, and then I look over to my right and my chemistry teacher and my tutor is like looking at me like so uncomfortably. Um, so that was pretty embarrassing. Um, but it did end with like such a hilarious day because afterwards we went to dinner and my friend and I, we were just like crying with laughter the whole time, like the whole dinner we were laughing we didn't say a word like we didn't talk about it we just laughed for about three hours and everyone was like what the fuck they must have had such a funny day um moral of the story is like everyone has stories that are like super embarrassing and in the moment you're just like oh my god fuck like that's so bad and you just like that feeling it's of shame and like embarrassment it's so crushing but like, it's always going to be hilarious retrospectively. When you take the emotion out of it, um, it's hilarious. And I also just think it's these kinds of stories that make me more cute. They're just such cute and wholesome stories. And I think it's so freeing to be able to laugh at yourself and not take yourself so seriously. Because when you can do that, you're accepting your own humanity and you're also allowing others to relate to you better and feel much more comfortable around you when you're not so rigid and stiff and like aggressively trying to be perfect. There's something so warm and wholesome about that. Um, and it just makes you more human and, and more fun to be around, I think, rather than just like always thinking everything is so serious and like the end of the world, you know, it's so boring when people do that. 
I also think, you know, that feeling of shame and embarrassment, it's such a low vibrational feeling. And it's not healthy at all in any sense to have that feeling and to hold on to it. And so many people let that kind of guide their behaviors and guide their their moods and you know how they perceive themselves but I think it's all about changing your perspective and experiencing your reality in a different way like you shouldn't waste your time getting stressed about these things it's so silly and like I said if you see it if you just change your perspective like those kinds of moments can add so much color to your day to your life you know, to your personality even, and the way that you deal with them can make you a much more interesting and fun person. Um, but I, I also think at the end of the day, it's your ego and your sense of pride is that's what's making you feel so awful about it. And, you know, you don't like it when you're not perceived as perfect and flawless to the outside world. You know, your ego is making you feel so afraid of being judged and not being respected or whatever it might be. It's about like validation and sense of worth from the outside in. And if you detach yourself from your ego and you stop, then you stop placing meaning on the outside perspectives of you. Um, And you won't let these things in life that you can't always control kind of get you down. Moving on more generally um, onto the idea of the ego, I really think that the ego is such an interesting thing to analyze because it controls so much of what we do and how we act and how we carry ourselves um, and how we you know, react to any situation. Um, your ego is ultimately what creates a sense of fear and what prevents you from being your best and biggest version of yourself. When you're you know, holding on to your sense of pride, then you know, and and seeing everything from like a me perspective. When you're arguing with someone, for example, and you're you're holding on to your ego, like this is what makes people not listen to each other. This is what prevents you from being in like an observant mode. You stay attached to the same ideas that you're fighting about and your same values. You're being attached to a certain identity that makes you feel comfortable um, and that you've, you've constructed of yourself. Um, and you're preventing yourself from kind of growing and evolving um, or making someone else feel understood and and sharing a sense of empathy and compassion. Um, But this is also why I think star signs and astrology, even though it's really fun and interesting to, to analyze, it also can be quite limiting for people who are like very obsessed with astrology or at least use it in a way where they label label themselves because when when people use astrology often they'll say like oh I'm a cancer like I'm super emotional and like I'm I'm the biggest softie and like I can't help but you know give too much to people or whatever or I'm a Gemini and I can't help but be indecisive and you know change my mind every two seconds I can't help but stick not stick to something and I think the widespread use or fascination with astrology is partly like attributable to our obsession with categorizing everything and people as well and when you do that you're basically telling yourself and others that you're not capable of change and evolution and positive growth because this is just your star star sign and like this is how you are you're just making excuses for yourself um and excuses for your behavior and 
yeah, I think that's really limiting. And anyway, going back to ego, I think because our egos kind of drive so much of what we do and how we do things, when we understand and acknowledge and are aware of how it controls us, then we're better able to kind of step back from it when we need to and react to things in a healthier way. So I think it's that's not to say that the ego isn't a good thing. In some ways, it's really beneficial because, uh, you know, a lot of the time our ego is what drives us to be so motivated and drives us to want more and to be successful and to learn more and to have new experiences or whatever. It, it drives a, a lot of our ambition and motivation to, like, develop ourselves and, you know, looking inwards and wanting more from from ourselves a lot of that comes from our ego so it's not necessarily always a bad thing but when we're not aware of it and we allow it to impact other aspects of our lives especially our relationships with other people I think that's when it becomes dangerous I think our ego is often what prevents us from having open and honest communication with each other firstly even how we perceive ourselves once we're honest with ourselves and others about how we're feeling sometimes we just don't want to accept our imperfections and that reality is quite difficult for people to stomach our ego also makes us more attached to uh, the image that we're comfortable with or the image that we want others to see in us and it's all about protecting our sense of dignity and our pride And because of that, so much of the dangers of ego is attachment. It prevents us from being detached and not letting our emotions control us all the time. And it always makes us desire a sense of control over situations. And when you remove your emotion or step aside from your emotions in an emotional situation, you're always going to react in the best way possible. Uh, So when you're arguing, when you're arguing, um, it's always going to be your emotional... um, sense of ego that's going to be preventing you from listening to that other person at the end of the day though what is the actual point in arguing like let's just think about why we argue what is the point and and why we argue in the way that we are used to arguing what's the point in winning an argument and shutting someone down the only thing you achieve is massaging your own ego and learning less by picking apart their argument the other person's argument you don't achieve anything apart from proving to whether it's yourself or to someone else that you are better than them or a fake sense of superiority and I think it takes a lot of courage and confidence to be more open to the fact that none of us know anything and be more open to learning and understanding from others Um, And I think that anyone who argues with a sense of anger and not letting someone else listen, which is, you know, what we all do on like so many times. I do this all the time. But I think that in that moment, like we're being super close minded and not wanting to admit that, like, not everything we do or say is perfect um, is, again, like tied to our our ego controlling our sense of pride and not wanting to break down that that image. I think Jordan Peterson said it really well, but he was talking about how 
the only way that you know that you've come out of an argument um, with a positive outcome or a, a genuine benefit is when you can say exactly what the other person wanted you to understand and you can articulate that clearly that means that you've been listening to them but most of the time when we're arguing with someone and we try and do that you know we say yeah we've been listening like this is what you're saying most of the time if we say that that other person will come back to us and be like no that's not what I'm trying to say and again like you know we think that we know what the other person is saying because we're already you know, holding on to a pre preconceived notion in our own heads, like something that we've already um, prejudged or predetermined about what they're doing, and we're already deciding why we think that's wrong or that's inappropriate or whatever. Um, and I think whenever something gets like an, an argument gets heated um, or heightened, um, it's just so amazing to be able to step back and kind of be a little bit more observant and stop trying to like shove your own ideas down someone else's throat or your own opinion or your own feelings like just try and give both of both each other both of each other the space to to speak and communicate and be heard and the minute you do that I think you're overcoming uh your own ego in that you're able to put your emotions to one side and p to put your own priorities and opinions to one side to be able to listen to, so to someone else and make someone else feel appreciated and that way even if you don't agree with them you can at least make them feel understood and to be able to give someone that time of day and to make them feel valued in that sense even when you're not happy and you're upset um, I think is something that helps people to get over arguments much more quickly and to get something more out of it like you're always going to come come out feeling closer to one another I'll admit though it is really hard to you know when in an argument when you're feeling really emotional to step back and think about the other person because when you're feeling so misunderstood you feel like such an injustice has happened to you and it's just so awful and whatever and all you want to do is to feel heard and to feel appreciated and acknowledged um and but then you just have to remember in that moment that that person also feels the exact same thing and in that in that moment that's what connects you guys and you're both sharing something common and if you are able to remove yourself from or uh, prevent your ego from controlling how you act then you're able to actually get something out of the argument you're you know whether it's an intellectual argument or something more emotional either way you're able to learn something and as long as you're connected to your ego and your sense of pride you're never going to learn you're always gonna just like stick with your own way and not accept that things are fluid not everything is black and white and not accept that you don't you don't know everything um and then you just become a really wonder one-dimensional boring person so it's up to you, whatever you prefer. Going back to the concept of fear and its relationship with the ego, I think it's so interesting to think about and realize just how much fear controls us. You know, so many of us don't do that thing that we always wanted to do or um, 
don't um, apply to a job because we just think we're afraid that we're not going to be good enough and it's going to be pointless or we don't do something that's potentially really exciting um, just because we're afraid that something bad is going to happen um, or we don't talk to that guy that we have a crush on or a girl that we have a crush on because we're afraid that it's not going to be reciprocated or whatever but when we think in that way and um, base our make our decisions based on fear um, we're really shutting ourselves off from so many things and making our lives so much less colorful and exciting and we're basically just saying no to most experiences when if you're letting fear control you and again this comes from your ego and wanting to protect your pride you're basically shutting yourself out of any potential opportunity to grow and develop both as a person and in terms of having a more interesting fulfilling life I just don't think we fully realize and acknowledge just how much we want to control everything that happens in our lives and I also don't think we acknowledge that controlling things is not what makes us who we are it's it's not what it's not life it's not how it's not how we learn and develop and experience if we're controlling everything we're not going to have real authentic experiences and at the end of the day life is interesting and exciting because of the unknown because of the, all the different possibilities that could happen and I just really hope that we can figure out a way to remove ourselves from that desire to control and let things just happen and not be so afraid of not everything going perfectly because when things don't go perfectly whether you know in life or whatever you're I think it's the universe's way of redirecting you onto a new path not every negative experience is truly negative I honestly think out of anything could potentially be negative something positive is born and so every negative experience is an opportunity for something new um and again going back to the point about how we're obsessed with seeing things in such a black and white way um that is not real life and that is not reality in reality everything every experience every person is so layered and no positive experience exists without a bad experience. No bad experience exists out of a positive experience. Everything is like a push and pull and nothing exists, like one doesn't exist with the, without the other. Um, and so I love having a range of different emotions and experiences, you know, throughout my day or whatever, because I know that it's what's giving depth and color to my life and to my understanding of life and the world around me um and I think this I think it's Buddhist but ultimately it's Buddhist but this ancient Chinese philosophy called Taoism I don't know if you guys have heard of it but I love uh Taoism because it really embraces that duality in life so to give a bit of background on Taoism. I'm just going to read something off the internet because I find it really hard to articulate exactly what it is. But 
Um, it's an ancient Chinese philosophy philosophy connected to the philosopher Lao Tzu, um, who wrote the main book of Taoism, Tao Te Ching, in 500 BCE. And Taoism holds that humans and animals should live in balance with the Tao or the universe. One of the main ideas of Taoism is the belief in balancing forces, or yin and yang. These ideas represent matching pairs, such as light and dark, hot and cold, action and inaction, which work together toward a universal whole. The yin and yang show that everything in the universe is connected and that nothing makes sense by itself. So that kind of exemplifies perfectly what I was trying to say about negative experiences existing alongside in in unison and harmony with positive experiences and just to close off the point about the ego and fear I think that there really is just absolutely no point in living your life in fear we shouldn't be afraid of any kind of experience because there's so much we get out of any kind of experience whether that's positive or negative I think Taoism is about finding the peace in the perfect ebb and flow motion of this dualistic world of opposite forces existing in unison. And it really helps us appreciate that duality is a dance. It's not a fight or a war or a clash. It's a harmonious dance that's constantly changing. Um, these two sides are kind of always trying to find the right balance. One does not exist without the other. So it's about two opposite forces, you know, masculine, feminine, passive versus active, cold, hot, um, negative, pos positive. It's, it's about appreciating that experiences are never just bad or good. It's just opposite. And the key to, to peace and happiness and acceptance is just to find this balance between opposites. Um, and that's how you can live in the most harmonious way. I'll share one poem that I really like from Lao Tzu that really encapsulates this idea. We join spokes together in a wheel, but it is the centre hole that makes the wagon move. We shape clay into a pot, but it is the emptiness inside that hold whatever we want. We hammer wood for a house, but it is the inner space that makes it livable. We work with being, but non-being is what we use. So it's really just emphasizing that nothing really exists without the other. Everything is existing in harmony with one another. And I think this goes the same for the way that I see people. So I think that we're no better than anyone else. We are almost nothing without each other. And I think as soon as you stop deeping yourself and remembering that we are no different to one another, it's so easy to let go of any fear that holds you back because you realize that you're just not that important. And so you, you feel like you can fail and get back up again and no one's gonna care. And I think that gives you the space and the freedom to just go all in and stop trying to be so perfect. Um, and on the topic of seeing your value and identity in relation to the community, I think Japan is so distinct from other more Western cultures in that it is so ingrained in you um, as a Japanese person so I'm half Japanese so I've kind of seen how different Japanese culture is compared to other western cultures and how, how they differ 
Um, but it's really in, ingrained in you to always be mindful of the people around you. And it's such like a collective, harmonious mindset and culture. So when you're in the tube stations in Tokyo, for example, everyone queues to get through the barriers. There's no everyone rushing to the gates to get through. Like if you were there last, you join the back of the queue. No one tries to push in front ever. It's just complete respect for other people's time. And I love it. It's so cool. Um, and then also when you're walking in busy streets, you will never feel like a sense of being overwhelmed <laughs> like in London because everyone who's walking one direction will walk on one side of the street and then everyone who's walking on the other side of the street are walking in the other direction. So everything just works so well. I feel like the people are so symbiotic with one another and everything's just so efficient because of that. Um, and then there's also... The idea of respecting your elders. In Japan, it's not just an antiquated concept. It's really about appreciating the cyclical nature of life, acknowledging the skills, the lessons that the elderly have equipped you with to go through life, the family environment, the love that they've created for you, the steps they've taken in life to earn that respect, and acknowledging and appreciating um, in little ways how they've contributed to us. And you can even see how the press were going crazy about the Japanese World Cup fans cleaning up the stadium um, and waiting till everyone left and um, helping each other clean up. And then the Japanese uh, football team leaving the locker room spotless with thank you gifts for the organisers. I think it really shows how they see it as appreciating the opportunity to be there and the experience offered to them to be there, despite losing they just find a way to be grateful for everything and acknowledging the efforts of someone else and making others feel special and appreciated and valued. And I think there's so much that we could take from that. When you can find a way to be grateful no matter what, I think you start to experience life in such a different way. But this relates to another extract, that I, another poem that I really like. A good traveller has no fixed plans and is not intent upon arriving. A good artist lets his intuition lead him wherever it wants. A good scientist has freed himself of concepts and keeps his mind open to what is. I think this is really reflective of a state of complete openness. And when you, when you remove your attachment to an end goal you can see and observe and experience so much more because you're not emotionally attached to a fixed idea. Um, and you're not, in, you know, in order to excel at whatever you do, the key is to just remain detached, to be present and to allow yourself to absorb and perceive information. So tying it back to my discussion of positive and ne negative experiences being one and the same, I think if we can step back from our emotional perspective of experiences, we can learn much more easily to appreciate everything we can learn and take out of a certain situation. And it allows you to be so much more present in the moment, be aware of so much more, and most importantly, be grateful. Here's another one I love. A leader is best when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim fulfilled, they will say we did it ourselves.
This really articulates how someone who is a true leader and someone who truly makes an impact and empowers other people are people who remove any inherent benefit to them out of the equation. Um, And it's almost as if they never existed. It doesn't make you empowered or respected or revered or honored. It makes the people who you've made an impact on feel empowered. And I love that altruistic way of thinking. Before I close off this episode, I'm just going to quickly talk about Casey Musgraves, my favourite singer, and unpick how she discusses living in the present in her music. So she's a pretty famous singer that I didn't know about, but my friend showed me. And when I played her album Golden Hour, I listened from start to finish and it made me cry. Um... I got a similar feeling of profound peace and understanding um, as I did with reading this Taoism book. Um, And my favorite song is Slow Burn, Always Will Be. Um, She really, in the song, if you don't know it, please go listen to it now or after the podcast, but she really knows how to say so much in such in so, with so little words and so simply um which is also what i think lao tzu did so well um in his Taoism book um but it's all the song is all about enjoying the moment and being open to all things in the present and appreciating all the simple things and finding such pure joy from those simple everyday things and not looking back, not looking forward with the intention of arriving somewhere else, just really enjoying where you are right now in this moment. And that's something that's really hard to remember all the time when we're living in such a fast-paced kind of instant gratification culture. But I'll say a few of my favorite lines from Slow. So she says... I'm all right with a slow burn, taking my time, let the world turn. I'm going to do it my way, it'll be all right. If we burn it down and it takes all night, it's a slow burn. And I feel like she really encapsulates the enjoyment of the journey rather than the anticipation of the destination, whatever it might be. And I feel like we're so caught up in expecting what we want to happen immediately and to only be happy once we arrive at that destination, that we forget that the most amazing part of any achievement is how you got there and the steps you took and the obstacles that you faced in order to get there. Um, And really just like appreciating every single moment um, that lead up. And then my favorite, favorite line is when she says, old soul waiting my turn I know a few things but I've still got a lot to learn I think she's like really acknowledging and embracing the unknown and appreciating the fact that she knows nothing compared to the depths of the universe and and yet she's okay with that okay I've said a lot in this episode but I really just want to express um, that I think the key to a full life is to acknowledge the insignificance of everything and ourselves 
and yet at the same time use it to be fearless in the way we live and go hard after what we want and reach for every possible experience and learning curve and do everything we want to do. And I think the idea of our own insignificance is what gives us the freedom to be so fearless and and so also have so much joy in the small things and joy in making a positive impact on the wider community. So thank you so much for listening and I hope this has helped you see things in a more positive way, helped you relax. I hope my embarrassing stories have made you feel like you can take yourself a lot less seriously and realize that there are glimpses of fun to be had in any situation, no matter how dire. Um, But after all, even with the yoga um, story, my chemistry teacher hated me before the yoga incident. But after it happened, he stopped being such a dick. I think he saw my humanity a little bit more and probably saw me as a lot more endearing and sweet than like the cocky self I was at school. Um, So it actually played to my benefit after all. Make sure to subscribe if you want to hear weekly content and please leave a review. Let me know what you think. It would help me out so much. And if you want me to discuss a certain topic or give any advice on something, let me know. You can DM me on Instagram. Thank you for listening. Have an amazing week. See you next week.